Hello, this is your host, Tim Alanius. In this episode, I am passing the mic to Wes McChristian. Wes joined AmericanEagle.com in 2011 as a project manager and has since become the global Aquino practice lead. He provides oversight and direction to a team of project managers to help execute priorities alongside development resources. As a subject matter expert for Aquino within AmericanEagle.com, he works with clients and teams to develop the best possible user experience by providing strategic direction, production, forecast, and budget management. Alongside of all of that is the PIM work, and within Akinio, Wes has become one of our experts overall in the Akinio tool and how that PIM product can be utilized with our clients. And now, over to Wes. Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your guest host, Wes McChristian, Global Akinio Practice Lead here at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the next generation of PIM and building a business case based on user experience. To discuss this, I'm joined by special guest speaker from Akinio, Francois Shacks. From the professional services team to the channel team, Francois has been involved in many departments at Akinio over the last seven years. Francois is now their global partner evangelist, educating and enabling their partners around the world. Welcome, Francois. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. As you can tell, I am not from Kansas, so <laughs> bear with my English. <laughs> no worries. So, uh, you, know, you know, Francois, let's maybe dive right in. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe the best place to start is, you know, every year we see kind of trends and themes and, you know, content being published about content and the importance of it. I think for years, it's the web industry, not just products, right? We've been, we've been saying content is king. So can you maybe start us off by just kind of explaining what that means just for our listeners and what is good content? All right. So good content, we usually define good content as there's like three level of information to produce a good content. So the first level could be, would be basic information, technical information. Mm. That's like crucial information for a product. Could be the size, the material uh, dimensions or whatsoever. The second level of information uh, would be usage information. How can you use that product? Sometimes technical information is fine, but if you're not used to that technical information, you need to understand how you can use that product. I'll come back to this later. And then the third level is all around emotion. So uh, that's the cherry on the cake. The thing is that in this case, the cherry on the cake is not optional. All right. And it could be images. It could be PDF. It could be video customer feedback. But I think it's it what's make the customer to take the final decision. So basic information, usage information, emotional information, those are what I think would make a good content. And, you know, maybe can you give us some concrete examples of this? You know, if we think about how all of these things, right, emotional and technical and, and these other levels come together to form an experience. You know, how do you see, how do you see these layers of content being formed to build those experiences? Right, so well, We've been talking a lot about customer experience and our mantra at Akino is there is no good customer experience without a good product experience. And today I think the customers, they are expecting more and more experiences and the customer journey has changed a lot in the past years. So there is not only about one channel in particular, but if you want to reach out to all of your customers, you need to be able to provide the right product information, contextualized product information in many, many different sales channels. And if I come back to that three level of product information, that's the same. You need to provide a good content for an e-commerce website. You need to provide a good content for uh, your physical stores, for your print catalog or whatsoever. 
I'm going to give you one concrete example in that example of a customer journey. So last month I was looking for a really light tent for bikepacking. So I'm going for a bikepacking tour this summer and I'm looking for a really light tent for that. How did I get to buy that that new product? Because I don't know any, I don't know much about that kind of product. All right. So first, I looked on the internet and I looked for right, bikepacking, light tent, whatsoever. I get some results. Then I went to to a first website and I found that product pretty interesting. And when we talk about that three level of product information, I had some technical information. The material it doesn't for me. It was like okay, sure, it's, it looks like it's a good product. It's a good material, but I don't know anything about that. So the second level was they did provide me that information. That's perfect if you do bikepacking. That's perfect if you do hiking because it's really light and so on. So I went to that website. And the third thing that really convinced me, I would say, was they provided me a video. You know, that emotion information I told you about. And I was like, so I had technical information. Great. The user information, how I know how to use that product. Now I see how you can actually use that product. That was the first part of my customer journey. Then I looked on social media. What is the brand value? What do they do exactly? I liked it. In the third phase, I still needed to get another level of information somehow. So I went to a physical store, one of their retailers, and then I get to talk to a sales team. So I got like different product experiences from different channels. And at the end of the day, I bought the product. But what I'm saying is that if you want to reach out to your customer, you need to be able to provide the right content for all those different channels so that at the end of the day, I'm capable and I take the decision to buy that product. I'm glad you brought it, this narrative that like consumers are savvier than they used to be because of all of the channels that they have available to them. And I think, right, for me, consistency and content go hand in hand. And so when we think about almost what you're describing as ultimately an omni-channel product experience being governed by not just the content, but the consistency that we're providing, it's got to be the same on social and it's got to be the same in the marketplaces and it's got to be the same in the brick and mortar because you know we're seeing sort of this pursuit of delivering the content that a consumer wants when they want it, where they want it. And I think that's just like, we, we sometimes lose sight of that when we're just thinking about our commerce ecosystem, right? Our digital and our software and like content and PXM, it goes deeper than that. There is way more than that. And, and if you're not capable of also, it has to be consistent, yet it has to be contextualized. That's right. The content I had on the website was totally different from the content I saw on their retailers. I went on one big US retailers, for example, like a marketplace that you'll know about, and they provided me the other kind of information. On social media, it was maybe different kind of pictures and different tone. And so it has to be contextualized so that you can reach out to the right customer for this channel in particular. And I think context even goes as far as like localization. You may have been at a French retailer, seeing this content exactly. in French. Exactly. And I may buy So the, that, may, that may be, that was like maybe the, the one thing that was missing, everything was in English and the, the video was really poorly translated, <laughs> I have to admit, but I, I got what I needed. But I think for some people, it would have been better to have like, I'm speaking English, so that's fine, but I'm pretty sure they're missing customers because of that, you know, video is only in English. So. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> if we could maybe change gears a, a little bit, Content, consistency, context, you know, talk us through a little bit about kind of Akinio's perspective on governance, because some of these things, 
as we're thinking about, you know, delivering product information to a given channel, maybe it's dependent on the team that's behind that channel or the the tools that they have on their disposal. You know, talk to us a little bit about governing these types of experiences. So then enters PXM and a PXM stands for product experience management. And so what I usually explain is that whatever is your new growth strategy, your business strategy, if you mm -hmm. want to expand internationally, if you want to open a new e-commerce website, there is one common key uh, success factor is the readiness of your product data. If you want to go international, it's because your data has been localized and translated. Maybe it's more even more important to localize the content first. If you want to open a new e-commerce website, it's going to be successful if the product information is the right one. Remember, first, second, and third level of information. So it all comes down to the readiness of product information and to make sure that you can have that product information ready, contextualized, consistent across multi-channel. That's what we call PXM. That's the practice. That's what's happening behind the stage. Who does what? You can have like perfect product, a good product experience on your e-commerce website, on a third-party retailer, first-party retailer, or social media. But how long does it take? How much effort does it take to your team to actually push all of those product information across multi-channel? The e-commerce website working on their side, they don't work with the team that is working on the print catalog. There is another team who's sending information to physical stores. Maybe there is another team that works sending information to uh, marketplaces. In the middle, there is also the, the legal or regulatory team that is in charge of checking everything. How do they work together? And potentially there's a lot of duplicate words. There's a lot of Excel files that are being set back and forwards. That's why we, we want to improve that and want to help our customers. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people or listening to this podcast that will recognize themselves. Yeah, that's what I do my day to day job. I do copy paste on Excel and I send that Excel file to my workmate and so on. At the end of the day, if you can gather all these people working together, avoiding duplicate works, and the e-commerce people would focus on what they have to do, provide value for uh, that description, like pictures for the e-commerce website, maybe another team working for SEO, and then another one focusing on one description for one marketplace in particular, because they may have specific requirements versus the e-commerce website, make them work together, they can take, I would say, like use like the first level of information will never change and then can contextualize the usage information, emotional information. In my example of the, that 10, the pictures that were displayed on their website was different, the picture that were used on the retailers. It was also different, the picture that was used on, the, on social media. And there is like a lot of people working around product enrichment and product information. PXM is about helping them, working together, improve the processes, at the end of the day, it means more productivity. It means accelerating the time to market and making the team happy to work actually on product information, I would say. And th there's a component of maturity there too, isn't there? Yeah, I think it's, uh, we've been talking about PXM like for two, three years. And so not all of our customers, they, when I talk to a customer, they don't realize that they focus a lot on e-commerce and they focus a lot right. on digital and they say, well, but actually you need to, you also sell your product in physical store. Yeah, yeah, but that's another team. I'm not, you know, we're not, we don't work with those guys. Like what well, you should do with work with those guys because they do take information from somewhere. And so what we call of PXM maturity is to, how are you mature in, in terms of product experience management and how do you handle your product information today? Some of them, they just, they don't even aware that they should actually get all those people working together. So we need to educate them 
And that's what I do also just to explain them. Yeah, well, this team that is sending information to your physical store, they should also be part of your team working alongside the e-commerce, working alongside the marketplaces and so on. Yeah, I would say the, the number one use case for PIM for us is this fragmentation of data that, okay. you're, that you're describing is, you know, almost this very tribal management of product information that, as you're describing, is at its lowest level consistent and the same. You know, maybe it's born in ERP, maybe it's destined to, to show up in the commerce application or brick and mortar retail location, but marketing has their own spreadsheet of information yeah. and retail has their own um, but if you compare if you compare two spreadsheets, there's potentially the, the, a lot of common information, a, a, an enormous amount of overlap. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, in order to create these experiences, these teams are potentially not even talking. Um, exactly. Let alone using technology in order to support them. Uh, I, I think we've been talking a lot. We we heard in the past a lot around customer experience, and we want to focus on the customer experience. We right. want to follow what the customer wants. Sure, but we recently saw that with COVID. Like the customer experience changed very quickly, right. or all of a sudden, all the stores were closed. And so, if you focus only on customer experience, you will miss that part. That's why we we say that there is no good customer experience without a good product experience. And PXM is here to prepare and be ready to actually prepare product information for maybe a new sales channel. In the situation of the COVID, some of our customer there were nimble enough to actually switch directly from, okay, so I cannot sell on my physical store, but I have everything I need. I have the right infrastructure, the right tech and the right tech stack and the right process to actually accelerate on the digital side. So you don't focus on customer experience, you focus on your product experience management to be again nimble enough and to pivot from one sales channel to another one. Yeah, or even like, you know, make my product available by curbside, right? Yeah. Some of these trends that we saw present in the, the overall product experience, you know, during COVID. That's very interesting. And so, Francois, for those people that are kind of listening to this bit, um, you know, thinking about, you know, their own data readiness, their own maturity, what, what advice can you give in evaluating the benefits of PIM, the benefits of PXM, you know, especially as we're considering, right, consistency across all these channels? There is several benefits, both on the result or the sales sales yeah, benefit sure. and internal benefit. If we let's come back to that, my example with that famous tent, the fact that I had enough information, the fact that I could find technical information, usage information, the fact that they provided me with that consistent product information across multi-channel, that convinced me. At the end of the day, I was convinced that I could buy that product. The more you will be able to provide personalized, contextualized product information, it will have an impact on the conversion rate. You will not be able to, let's say you're browsing a website. If you don't have enough information, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't feel secure, you won't buy that product. All right. And maybe you're going to look for another product, another merchant, and you don't want that because just for lack of information. The second thing is that it will also have an impact. If we're talking about e-commerce only, it will have an impact on the return rate. That happened to me years ago. I live in Nantes in France. Spoiler alert, it rains a lot in Nantes, uh, which is not the case in Chicago, but uh, at least today. You got us on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> and I was looking for a waterproof jacket. And it was important for me because I'm commuting to work by bike. I'm telling my life here, but whatever. 
at the end of the day, the story is I was looking for that jacket. I found that perfect jacket, waterproof, Gore-Tex jacket, great. It was cheap. So I was like, yeah, let's buy that product. I get the product and something was wrong in product information. It was absolutely not a waterproof jacket. The material was not the one that was displayed on the website. So first, I returned the product. If you're listening and if you're like an e-commerce manager, you know how it costs you like the return rate. Best case, I could have bought the jacket to the same merchant. Worst case, I move away from you and I move away from that merchant because I don't trust you anymore. And that's what I did with that website, actually. It was like, if you fail me once, what tells me that you won't fail me another time? So I lost trust in that merchant. So basically, just because they made a mistake with product information. So conversion rate, return rate, definitely. And then internally, and when it comes to PXM and processes and people, it's also about productivity. How long does it take you to get your product available in a physical store? How long does it take you to get that product available in marketplaces or in your e-commerce website? It's all about the time to market. So if you're capable of having like better processes, again, as we said, like the e-commerce team, working with the legal team, working with all the team, and then you can get your product available online faster. You will gain some time. Time to market is a key. And also in terms of productivity, how long does it take you to enrich that amount of product to make them available? Again, you don't pay people to do copy paste on Excel. So, and it takes a long time. So if you can gain a lot of time with that, you can, will gain in terms of productivity internally, you will gain in the time to market, and eventually you will gain in terms of conversion and return rate. I really appreciate the distinction between like, these are the internal benefits, like the, the literal operational impact that it has on me and my team. And I'm saving time by working, it maybe sounds cliche, but smarter instead of harder, right? Not only collaborating with all of these other teams that have product information, but also giving me the place to do it. You know, Excel is not great for aggregation, you know, for example, across some of these uh, different processes. And then the like storefront side of things, right? Like this is not just the increased user experience that we can measure through things like qualitative surveys and maybe even analytics, but also some very, very clear quantitative impact of increased order volume, decreased return rate. You know, these are, I think, really, you know, a great way to start to frame up the almost the business case of PIM for my organization and ultimately how it then creates the PXM that we're talking about, right? The synergy between these teams. Yeah. I mean, I have like tons of other examples, but if you're, if you're a retailer, if you're, one of your business growth strategy is to onboard more product and onboard more suppliers, how long will it take with your right. current process you have? Yeah. You have maybe 100 suppliers. You want to extend your product catalog. You need another 100 of different suppliers. Potentially, that means like 200 different suppliers with maybe like 200 different files of product information and product data to gather, to concatenate, and to prepare. So that will take you a lot too much time. And if you're a manufacturer, and if you want to expand and have many suppliers, if you want to expand on marketplaces, that's the same. You have to prepare product information for all those different sales touch points. And so at the end of the day, if you don't have the right processes in place, if you don't have the right technology, again, PXM, as you said, is a combination of technology, data, and people. That will be a blocker. That will be a blocker. And then it will take you too long. But believe me, your competitors, they will be ahead of you at that time. Right. So as we maybe move to ramp up the conversation, you know, lessons for tomorrow for us is about applying 
concepts today for how we anticipate doing business in, let's say, five years. I'd love to ask you just maybe about today and in five years, can you give us a sense of kind of a Kineo, PIM, PXM, you know, what's the short-term roadmap for you guys? And then how does that play into the long-term okay. uh, lesson for tomorrow, right? The five-year roadmap. So very like on a really short-term and for people for uh, very short-term, what's going to be, uh, what are the improvement? I think we want to really invest in different areas. So how to collect product information, how to enrich product information, how to distribute product information, and how to control product information. Those are the four areas where Akilo will invest regularly. So for example, we have like new features that have just been released where you can, it's called tailored import, tailored export. You can map data structure from your suppliers with your data structure. If you work with a big supplier, like very big, that is more powerful than you, and you cannot, kind of hard to sell to Apple, for example, hey, uh, can you comply with my data structure? So you can use tailored import for that. Tailored export on the other side, where you can map your product information with your retailer's uh, data structure that will ease in terms of collecting product information and in terms of distributing product information. Uh, we are working a lot on SKU generator, SKU, uh, SKU manager identifier. Uh, we are working also a lot on being able to enrich categories, like also add more information on the category level, pictures, description. And the last one is the scheduling import-export. As of today, it's four times a day, and we want to make sure that our customers, our users, they can schedule their own import-export uh, because they have like different time frame or different time zone or different needs, um, uh, simply said. So that's more like for a, uh, a short-term perspective. On the long term, I remember a few years ago, there was an article at TechCrunch about Akino, and they said Akino PIM is the CRM for product information. And that's exactly what it is. It was like, if you go to any of your customer today, no one will question the need of a CRM. They understand the need of a CRM. Or if they don't have a CRM, they will probably be in the process of having a CRM. You need to gather information about your customer in one place. That's the same with a PIM. You need to have one place to gather information about your product. So I think that I believe PIM is where CRM was like 15, 20 years ago. And I would say that it's not only me saying that. I mean, if you asked to uh, last week, you had a LinkedIn live with Vantana. And if you ask any of the analysts, they all, they all agree on the fact that yes, any organization at some point should consider investing in a PIM system because that's key for business. If we look longer than that, today we focus on product information. We're defined by product. My polo is dark blue. Those are like product information related to, my, to that shirt. There is way more than that. I think if we are talking about product data, product data is not only about that product in particular, what defines my product, but product data could be what's the price of my polo, uh, what's the customer feedback of that polo, what's the, the inventory level of that shirt. This is all product data. And I think where we want to go is to kind of also not only focus on what we call core data, at some point, all of our customers, they, they use PIM for core data, like the reference data, but they also have like a lot of different systems for the price, for the inventory, for the customer feedback. At some point, we need to connect all those kind of information. So I think product information is one thing, and we will tend to extend that to what we product data in, in general. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's 
you know, what we typically refer to as the hot data, right? And maybe the domain of the ERP, things like, you know, very fluctuating inventory levels, prices, et cetera. Right? We need the to be able to facilitate the connection and uh, integration and being able to not centralize everything, but to, um, to be able to connect all those systems together right. to provide a proper product data and product data it's not only about the color measure it's way more than that well and, and cause, well because you're right because these are these are very important pieces to my experience if the inventory level isn't showing and i don't know that i can't buy it then yeah. maybe maybe that's a turnoff or maybe if the price is too high this awesome story you shared about exploring the tent in multiple <laughs> channels right you're not going to buy it anyway because the, the, the yeah yeah exactly uh, you, you weren't able to see the accurate price well that tent was quite expensive but i still <laughs> bought it but uh no but you know and if we talk about customer feedback if you are working on your product information on akino and if you can link that to customer feedback right. or if you can link your product information to the return rate yeah it's like i have a lot of information on the product but i can see there is a lot of return rate on that product it means that product information is not correct somewhere. So it, we, we want also to be able to connect all those information to be able to improve even better our, uh, the product information we want to uh, provide to our customers. That's excellent insight into kind of where you guys are today, how you see product information and, and even just simply content management, um, you know, and ultimately the roadmap uh, for where we see the industry headed. Any final words uh, you'd leave our listeners with? No, uh, well, thank you for having me. And uh, if you're listening to uh, this podcast, if you're based in the US, we, Akino has his first uh, US annual conference in Boston, October 4th and 5th. If you want to know more about Akino, PXM, if you want to meet the team, that's a perfect time uh, and the perfect place to be. So Boston, um, October 4th and 5th. Francois, you're welcome to join. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them and stay up to date with us. While you're at it, give us a rating and share this podcast with others to prepare them for the future. And don't forget to follow us on social media. This episode is brought to you by americaneagle.com studios. I'm your guest host, Wes McChristian. Tim Alanius will catch you in the next lesson.